Bulldogs, and welcome to the Doghouse. It's Riverdale, Season 4, Episode 6, Chapter 63, Hereditary. As Archie struggles to keep the neighborhood kids away from Dodger's influence, he turns to an unexpected ally for help. Oof. Oofta, oofta. This is not a good episode. Yeah, if you heard our Doghouse drive through you know we have some really icky feelings about this episode. The Jughead stuff is cool. That's great. Really sick of RAS making all of the queer characters villains and institutionalizing them in one way or another. There's not only the icky, but on a rewatch for me, the stories as well, just they're boring. I am bored. I am not bored by Jughead storyline. Yep. And I can see an out where these stories are good, but this episode did nothing to make me feel like I was going to enjoy any of these other stories. The Betty storyline, I don't love, but I'm like, okay, well, it's moving along and it's not continuing to be drawn out and they are reusing information that had previously been extra annoying. So I I appreciate, I'm like, okay, I don't love it. But okay. You're establishing a ton of crap in this episode. Well, and they're paying off some shit that that was around before. I I appreciate that because the show's really sloppy. Veronica's storyline, we've been here before, but at least now we have the sister. Because if we didn't have her, we'd just be rehashing the same shit over and over again. Yeah, but that's not yet enough for me to care. (laughs) No, I agree. And Archie's storyline? Ooh, I have some hot sports opinions for us to talk about. All right, recap that recap. A creepy doll is haunting the Blossoms. Archie's recruiting big brothers. Jughead's grandpa wrote some stuff. Betty's on a stakeout. Veronica's got a new sister. And Archie's gone full Batman. We start with some Jughead narration. We see that, you know, the Dodgers kids are, you know, going through the alley. They're trying to steal hubcaps. Archie's Black Hood (laughs) kind of has a smart play where he stops one of the kids and handcuffs him to the steering wheel and then Archie leaves and then he comes back as Archie and he discovers the kid and then calls FP and then FP takes the kid down to the station calls their parent or their guardian and they have a conversation about what's going on so it's actually not a like it's actually a really good way to trap a kid (laughs) (laughs) do you know how bad that sounds it it does sound bad But for Arch, like, this is actually like a smart plan on Archie's part because he gets to establish that he's there for the kid, even though he's also the one that trapped them. But also the kid was doing something bad. So it's kind of like you get what you deserve here on that one. But then we see Archie takes that kid to Pops, introduces him and gets him a job at Pops. And while this is happening, Dodger is watching this kid now working for Pops. This starts throughout this episode, a white savior complex for mm-hmm. Archie yep. that has crossed the line into just unacceptable for me. Like, it's always been there. Mm-hmm. It's never not going to be there because Archie's white. Like, <laughs> that's that's who he is. But in this episode, the whole way that it's shot, it's framed, mm-hmm. the smiling on him, the fact that it lingers on him at the end, and it's all about... He's saving these kids from a bad life. No, no, I don't want to discredit what you're saying because you're absolutely right. He's definitely got this white savior complex. But Archie's motivation is his dad. Oh, I totally understand that. Okay. And, And I agree with you. The character motivation and what's on the page makes a lot of sense. Yes. 
the way that it has been presented to us yes. centers it on Archie. True, absolutely. And I you know, I did like that they presented that these problems are outside of your control. Yeah. And like again, we're just going to throw all of our privilege at it and see if it fixes it and it's not. Right. So, like that's a whole thing and yeah, it's just it's not great like the intent is good but the execution is poor like most things on Riverdale (laughs) well and in this episode in particular the complexity in which they presented these kids Uh got thrown in the trash these kids are no longer complex in any way and it's very reductive the way they're presenting it instead of driving further into that point Mm -hmm. and trying to dig deep into it because that's compelling television Mm -hmm. we just threw that away because it's about Archie being Batman and Bruce Wayne. They could have had a much more effective story if we really got to meet and know like two or three kids and that be it. And being like, these are the ones that I'm the most concerned about. These are the ones that I've really bonded with. These are the ones that I know if I'm just around, I can help them. Jughead cannot write. He is, he's just, he's blocked. So he has to call his anchor and he calls Betty. And they meet up at Pops. And like the second they sit down, he's like, I can't write. I have to come up with my own version of the Baxter Brothers novels, which should be a dream come true. But for the first time in my life, I have writer's block. Why? (laughs) And Betty's like, it's okay. Like, you need to take a break. You need to like go see some art, kiss your girlfriend, to which Jughead completely ignores. And he keeps like reeling he's like i i feel like i should break down the novel scientifically or something and (laughs) betty's like yeah that could work or you could also kiss your girlfriend so good because like he didn't even really greet her and then he's like oh i'm sorry and then they kiss each other over the table which is very cute it's so perfectly bughead that's just one of those moments that feels very like that's that's real yes like not just boyfriend and girlfriend like you and i do that shit like it just it happens where you're just so in your thing that you don't acknowledge what's happening around you. <laughs> Cheryl has woken up in her bed and she sees Nana Rose, Clifford Blossom, Penelope Blossom, and Jason Blossom and creepy Julian Blossom doll standing over her bed. She's like, what do you want? Julian needs a body, Cheryl, so we're giving him yours. And she starts screaming and she wakes up. She's had a nightmare and she looks over and there's the creepy doll. Hey, hey for fuck's sake, I want to murder it. Yeah. I want to murder this scene. I just want to murder all the blossoms so we can be done with it. It's going to get worse. It, yeah, it will. We cut over to the El Royale gym and Reggie's there to help Archie and they walk in and it is trashed. Yeah. Like not just like messy, but they have broken all the glass. Like everything is destroyed. And Archie's like, yeah, I, I know. And kind of cut into the same scene. FP's there and... They're talking, and Effie's like, all right, I'll add Sketch Alley to my nightly patrol area. And Archie's just like, you have to go after Dodger. He works out of the Wipeout Arcade. Like, this doesn't stop until we get him. So, okay, great. You know, he's calling the person who should be able to help him. Yes. Like, Archie's handling this thing appropriately. This is a correct thing to do. Correct. We cut over to the blue and gold, and Betty is reporting what she has discovered about Charles. (laughs) 7 a.m. He leaves the Five Seasons where he has a suite and then he goes to the FBI field office. He eats all his meals at Pops or Our House. And then rounding out his daily routine, he goes to the Casa Grande gym for a 90 minute workout. 
including weekends. And then he goes back to the five seasons. Okay, so like, okay, she's really been watching him. And Kevin's like, I'm no expert. Doesn't sound like Charles is a serial killer. Kind of sounds like he's a lonely gay guy. Kevin for the win. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin Keller. I need this Kevin Keller and I need him to have a boyfriend again, like a nice, healthy, happy boyfriend where their only drama is that they can't agree what movie to watch and occasionally they show up wearing the same outfit. That's what I need for Kevin Keller. That's what he deserves. And shows up to support his friends and provide well-needed advice because he is the conscience of this show right now. Well, I no, he's commentary. I don't need him to be the oracle gay. That's true. I don't want him to be the oracle gay. No, but he just needs to be there. He just needs to be there and be happy and healthy. You have a great father. Come on. Where the hell is he? Where are any of the parents anytime? Oh, my God. And like Betty's like, oh, my God. Of course. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, no. We gave Betty a hunch. Uh Uh-oh. All right. We go to the Pembroke and it's a meeting of all these people. (laughs) Awkward family dinner. It's Hermione, Hiram. Hermosa and Veronica, and Hiram wants to make peace. I want to move forward. No more secrets, no more lies, which Veronica's like, speaking of secrets and lies, how many more secret children are we expecting? Hey, remember we talked about that writer making meta jokes? Yep. This who, who Right who, here. Right who here. Is, who wrote that? <laughs> uh, love it. Perfect. Mystery writer. Hermosa is your one and only half sibling, I swear. Like, Veronica's like, okay, like, so what does this look like? And Hiram says, I want to get back to my true passion. Extortion? Murder? (laughs) I love this attitude. She's being very much a petulant child, but she has earned the right. Absolutely. She's writing that line between petulant child and doesn't give a fuck anymore child. Totally. They've decided they're going to create a rum outpost and Hermosa is going to help out at the speakeasy, which Veronica says, oh, fuck no. Mom's helping me. Go away. (laughs) Which, yeah, that's Veronica's Hiram. Fuck off. And Boppy's passion is rum. So now we have Daddy and, and Boppy. Boppy. Oh, God. Daddy. <laughs> no, Daddy. Uh, okay, we go back to the El Royale gym and Archie has a bat. And FP's there. He's like, okay, are you sure it's safe here at night? Archie says, yeah, I'm fine. And FP lets him know that, okay, we raided the Wipeout Arcade. Dodger was clean. And Archie's like, let me guess, you found a bunch of stuff on the kids. It's all Dodgers. And Effie's like, I can't do anything about it unless I find evidence on him. And so like, this is kind of one of those tough spots. But there's also this whole thing of if he's the owner of the Wipeout Arcade, he is liable for a legal activity that occurs on the premises. This is so fucking stupid. Like, this is where it breaks down. It, this, completely. Yeah. Because these are children yeah children yes committing crimes Mm -hmm. and even if dodger's not there one of his hench guys has to be in on it or the owner of the wipeout arcade if he's not the guy running it he knows then the owner's in his pocket somebody will talk Mm -hmm. like if you bust the wipeout arcade and shut it down Uh because minors are involved in illegal activity Typically, if legal shit's happening in your facility, the owner is liable for that. Now, of course, there's loopholes and shit around it. But like, ultimately, like, if you're allowing this shit to happen, it's your fault. You're going to get charged. You're going to get fined. So the only other explanation is FP is the worst fucking sheriff in the history of sheriffdom. And while I'm tempted to say that, Mm -hmm. I really don't think that's true. I mean, there is a lot of crime in Riverdale. (laughs) There's a lot, and he seems to be the only one there. 
I just, this is beyond the pale dumb. And again, it sets up this false narrative Mm -hmm. just to prop up Archie to be the one who has to be the center of these decisions for these kids. Yeah, in a way they didn't have to. No. Like, yeah, you could have still had this guy be the main bad guy that they need to like try to figure out how to get rid of him. And he's like making it difficult for Archie, but you didn't have to go push this far to get the same effect. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're now two major storylines in where I want to throw things at, at the people writing. Okay, so let's go to one that we like. Okay. Jughead is at Stonewall, and he's rereading the books, the Baxter Brothers books. And we see him looking at the inscription his grandfather made. So we cut directly to Pops again, and he's there with Betty, and he's got all of this, like, research. And he says, I think there's a real-life mystery in these books. I've reread everything, and I noticed something strange. And it's that he can tell when a ghostwriter has taken over, like, when they've changed. And Betty... I really like this conversation because it explains some things that a lot of people may not actually know. It's a little expo bughead. It's a little expo, but it's also still interesting. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm fine with that because they we need this information if you're really going to understand what's happening later on. Yeah. Betty says, yeah, of course, a writer can't completely suppress their styles. And so Jughead goes in and explains that these are like a literary fingerprint. When he goes back to read the first book it's unlike any of the rest of the series the characters have tension there's political commentary they mention the war the boys have summer jobs and none of the rest of them are this grounded and somebody's like okay what does that mean allegedly mr dupont wrote the first five books before passing the series off but after my analysis the differences between book one and book two are too distinct to ignore there's no way whoever wrote the first novel wrote the following there's just no way so Betty's like, okay, Jug, who wrote it? And, you know, if you've been paying attention at all to the series, okay, this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> what? What if it was my grandfather? Jug, your conspiracy theories are usually spot on, but this one feels like a stretch. Holy Love it. fuck. Again, this is whoever that writer is. This is them. <laughs> this is them. They're being cheeky and they know it. Somebody, somebody who is in the CW, in this room, tell us. Somebody knows. <laughs> they know. They are, like, I, I almost- Someone is listening to us. It's true. Or someone is trapped, and this is their, their, their plea for help. <laughs> I'm stuck in a contract, and I can't get out. This is my only way to exercise my being. Well, or, or maybe just, like, look. I'm going to get some good credits off of this. I'm going to make the most of it while I'm here. It's fine. You're going to learn a lot. Sometimes learning what not to do is important. (laughs) I said that to a director in college and they never spoke to me again. Fair. Jughead's like, yeah, yeah, I know. But this is the one missing piece I have of my grandfather. Think about it. He sent me a first edition. And if that's not coincidental enough, he wrote inside, never let them take anything from you. Does that not imply that something was stolen from him? These are good points. And Betty says, yes, implies yes, prove no. Mm-hmm. And Jack is like, yeah, I know. I got to get proof, but I know I'm on to something. And like Betty's just like nodding along. And like then they like hold hands in a really cute way. And Jughead's like, well, how about you? How is the mystery of our suspicious brother going? Which, again, I love the call to the fact that they share a brother. And Betty just kind of like stares off. She goes, I'm following a hunch, too. Cut to she's at the jail. Hello, chick. 
Riverdale. Like I knew it was coming, but I was still like, oh, okay. Interesting. This Okay, this makes sense. This is where she was going, of course, previously. So she wants to ask Chick about Charles. And she asks him about the story that Chick told them when they lived together at the youth hostel. And Chick says, yeah, we were together. And this one time we brought a friend home and we were doing Jingle Jangle, which I we forgot about that. We got so hyped up on Fizzle Rocks. We forgot about Jingle Jangle. Jesus. Love it. And things got out of control. Charles snapped and some of the darkness took over. Same word being used. Uh-huh. Because remember, Betty's told Chick about the darkness. Yeah. That closes that loop for us. Love it. Love it. And apparently Charles grabbed a pair of scissors and stabbed the guy to death. And Betty says, how do I know you're telling the truth? And Chick just says, what's the point of me lying now? I'm just like, no, no, Chick. There's no reason anyone should believe you ever again. No. <laughs> I, no well, uh, I love Betty so much, but they keep making her stupid. They got to put her in harm's way so she can be smart again. We go back to Thistlewood and Cheryl's lounging, reading a book. And Tony's like, we're supposed to go to school. And Cheryl's like, um, I was going to go like I was. But I can't leave Nana and the twins home alone with you know who. Like Tony's like, Cheryl, you've missed too much school. You have to go. Or I'm going to drag you there myself. And Cheryl's like, OK, but there's one thing we have to do first. And she walks off and you can just see Tony being like, what now? See, I would say that. Except that Tony doesn't give any of that impression in her performance. No, her face kind of makes that concerned. What are we going to have to do now face? But it's not nearly exasperated or frustrated or scared enough at all. The thing is, they're really wasting Vanessa Morgan and also making her look like she's... There's a scene later that she kind of comes off as a little opportunistic and it's really shitty. And again, like they don't... They're really bad about the writing of their queer characters. And this just doesn't add to it. Because I said in the last one and the Halloween episode that like Tony's stuck. She's yeah. the only sane person here. So what is she supposed if she leaves, literally Cheryl and Nana and the twins are all on their own, and that is not a good situation for any of them. So give her some actual moments to show us that. And they could have done that this episode. And we'll talk to it when we get there, but they could have done something. Oh, yeah. And still have gotten the lock Cheryl up storyline and made it make sense. Yeah. They could have. Anyways, we cut to their bedroom and Cheryl is pouring a salt circle around the doll because an evil spirit can't cross a circle of salt. I'm so angry. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm angry at the story. And then the second she's done, she's like, Okay, I'll get dressed and we'll go. <laughs> All of a sudden, she's fine. Because that makes it fine. It's just fine. Yeah. We go over to the FBI den. Charles is pissed because Betty went and saw Chick without him. Gee, I wonder why. What? What? Charles is like, no, that's not true what happened. And Betty's like, do you have a polygraph machine? Yeah, why? Cool, a polygraph. Notoriously known for being beatable and unreliable. Yeah. It's like RAS thinks we're complete idiots who know nothing about anything he does go over to pops and archie is talking to toby and eddie two of the kids that keep getting in trouble and he's like why do you keep running with dodger okay fair question like you should have had this conversation a while ago great great moment potentially awesome scene and the kids say he pays us in wipeout coinage oh so you're giving your money right back to him well yeah we also get free pizza 
And Archie says, you realize that you're risking everything, your entire future, your lives for pizza and arcade games? These kids have nowhere to go. Yeah. Nobody is looking out for them. They're hungry and they're bored. Yeah, this is just (laughs) atrocious. Yeah. They could have made this a really good moment. Well, this scene should have happened at least last episode. At least. Because we needed to get some context for like, okay, what are these kids getting out of it? Yeah. Like, it's not just a place. It's food and something to do. And Archie's given them a place to be. He's given them something to do. But they're also just kids. Yeah. So, like, it's a bigger problem than what he's able to grasp at this moment. Uh, We head on over to the doghouse. Hey! And Archie asks, (laughs) he asks Betty and Veronica, you don't have any spare arcade games, do you? He doesn't mean it. Like, he's half joking. It's almost like he's talking out loud because he doesn't know how to fix this problem it's true it's fair totally fair he's a dumb boy it's okay and veronica's like what's this now archikins (laughs) her head cock at that is just the best and so archie explains i'm trying to get these kids away from dodgers arcade step one give them another option okay valid that's what he's trying to do like archie's thought process in a lot of these ways is vastly improved except for the whole vigilante crap that's a different problem (laughs) And Veronica says, okay, what you're doing is great, but not enough people know about it. To which Betty's like, I'll write about it for the blue and gold. Who cares? And Veronica's going to ask her vendors if they have any arcade games. Okay, cool. Great. Let's put on a bake sale. Whatever. (laughs) Over the intercom, Cheryl Blossom to the principal's office. What for was I summoned, Miss Bell? (laughs) These are the good moments for Cheryl. (laughs) This is what Cheryl should be spending her time with. What for was I summoned? <laughs> yes. And so Miss Bell says that Dagwood swallowed a ping pong ball. Dr. Saperstein performed a tracheotomy. He should be okay. Your grandmother's at the hospital with Juniper waiting for you. Cheryl's like, okay, great. But I got to do something first before I take care of this. Okay. Like, it'll be fine. Okay, great. She's got to go home and kill that doll. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> why is there nobody helping take care of the kids? Because it's an old senile woman, twins, and two teenagers, one of whom is deeply troubled. Deeply troubled. <laughs> like, like, there's there's no hope. We go over to Le Bon Nuit. We get a really stupid Julie Andrews start at the very beginning line. <laughs> Fuck off. Don't, don't ruin it. <laughs> Veronica's explaining to Hermione how to, like, handle all of the customers because Hermione is going to be a hostess and the only information here is booth 11 is the worst we only put our enemies there Mm -hmm. okay great we come over to Thistlewood Cheryl goes to her room the doll is not in the circle she goes down to the chapel it's in Jason's lap how dare you go after Dagwood don't move either of you and she goes back up to the main parlor room and she says she runs into some creepy blossoms Aunt Cricket Uncle Bedford and the creepy redheaded people turn around and go, Cheryl, we let ourselves in. Hope that's all right. To which Cheryl's like, oh, fuck no. And she faints. <sighs> yeah. I also want to say, because I had to look it up because I wanted to see the younger gentleman with Aunt Cricket and Uncle Bedford. He is credited as Cousin Foster Blossom. So I don't know if he'll come around again, but he does have an actual name. Okay. Well, I didn't know. Like, I kept thinking, like, is that supposed to be Jason's ghost or something? Like, I was oh, like, God. because he never talks and he just looks creepy. No, I was just like, it's just another creepy blossom. Well, but I, definitely I, runs in the family. I hate this story. We go back to Le Bon Nuit. 
Hiram and Hermosa show up and they're like, oh, no, you're not on the list, to which Hermosa tries to be snotty. And it's like, oh, at my club, I always keep a table reserved for special guests, to which Veronica's like, yeah, so do we, booth 11. (laughs) (laughs) It's cute. And and Hermione just stands there. She's like, oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Good job, daughter. (laughs) Cool. We go to the FBI den and it's polygraph time. And really nothing comes of this except that Charles says that Chick murdered the dude in their room and he just went about cleaning everything. That was it. And then he says that I'm a recovering addict. I attend weekly Narcotics Anonymous meetings here in Riverdale. They're held at my gym. That's my big secret. Hope you're satisfied. Takes off the polygraph and leaves. Two things. One, Betty asked no baseline questions. <laughs> nope. So she has no idea how polygraph works. She hasn't even watched a fucking movie about it. Come on. <laughs> Number two, what I do find interesting is that the way he talks about this murder and disposing of the body with lie is real telling uh-huh. because it's exactly the same way that we got rid of the shady man. Which it sounds like this is something that's been concocted. Yeah. Yeah. Something's up here. This is a story that they've told each other. This was something that I did not catch on the first go around, but once you know the full episode mm-hmm. arc, you go, okay. We go over to the El Royale gym and Mr. Lodge has shown up to talk to Archie. And I do really like this scene because there's a lot of complexity that's happening. And we don't have answers from it necessarily, but it's still a really good scene. The two scenes they have together are really good. Um, Hiram is there to say he's sorry for Archie's loss and that he knows his dad was a good man. He'd be proud of you. And he wants to make a donation because I know this place could use some help. And... Archie says, no, we're good. And Hiram's like, no, it's a blank check. Like, all your woes, they go away. And Archie says, nothing is simple with you. So like I said, we're all good. And we don't even cut back to Hiram. So there's so much going on here that I actually really love. I love that we're acknowledging it. Like, we're we're referencing again, Fred. That's so important. Hiram's here because he's proud of Archie. That's what this scene is for. And for Hiram... Money is the way he deals with things. That's his first tactic on all things is money. Throw money at the problem. And Archie has learned something he has learned in all of these chapters is that you cannot trust Hiram Lodge and do not take anything from him. No. No. Not even if his intentions at that moment are benevolent. He tells him there's strings attached. I can't do this. There's always some kind of strings attached. Yeah. So that's really wonderful growth from Archie. So I appreciate that. I want to believe that Hiram's being on the up and up here because it makes for a more interesting, rich relationship for them. Like, I like the idea of them having sort of this inverse of the comic book relationship. No, when we get to their second scene, we can talk about it a little more nuanced because that's where there's a flip in the show. But it's something else. Eh, Um, If you listen to our Doghouse drive through episode, you'll know what that is. But... We'll get to it in that scene. We cut back to Thistlewood and Cheryl has, you know, woken up. Oh, I had the most horrible phantasmagoria. Hey, remember when we did this before with the other Uncle Blossom? Yeah, Claudius. Ugh. God. She's talking to Tony and she's telling her, oh, I had I had this horrible nightmare about Dagwood. And then Aunt Cricket walks in. Oh, good. You're up. Cheryl, dear, we'd love to see you downstairs once you've collected yourself. Oh, shit. This is real. <laughs> I will say. One moment is that Cheryl's face goes into tight, creepy, crazy smile Mm -hmm. of, Tony, I'm going to murder everyone. (laughs) Yeah. 
So we cut to them downstairs. Cheryl's like, okay, my attorney tells me you're here to discuss our maple syrup business. And they say, yeah, we want to sell it. The rest of the family is in agreement, but your dad's dead and Penelope is gone. So we need your participation and signature to move forward. Cheryl's like, why do you want to sell our family's legacy? It hasn't been profitable in years and it's bleeding us dry. To which Tony says, babe, it's up to you, but this house has caused you nothing but pain. If you sold it, we could start somewhere new, somewhere fresh. That feels so opportunistic because this is not the moment you have this conversation. You say that when Cheryl actually looks at you and says, what should I do? They should be alone having that conversation. And Tony could be very reassuring and help her to make a healthy choice. And in this moment, it looks like um, we need to get away from all of the crazy. I've tied myself to you. So let's take the money and run. I don't. I didn't read it that way. It felt that way to me. I I mean, I can understand why it would feel that way because it's clumsy. This is all clumsy for sure. But for me, it's it's just trying to get back to the arc of, babe, we could end this nightmare that we're dealing with and get the help we need. Yeah. No. It's horrible. Cheryl agrees that she'll consider it. And the creepy blossom's like, okay, do you mind if we go down to the chapel and light a votive candle of Thanksgiving to celebrate? Excuse you? Go where? To the chapel, we always go visit with the ancestors whenever we come to Thistle House. Absolutely not. You're not going down there. Be gone, all of you. You won't be getting my signature, nor will you ever visit the chapel again. It's off limits to anyone but me. Because, yeah, that sounds sane. Do you think they know about Jason already? I think that something else happens in the chapel. Uh Uh-huh. Historically. Or I have the sneaking suspicion that there's like a safe there. And that's where they're keeping like liquid money. Or some really dark secret. Or like deeds to other property that they've been keeping hidden. Like there's something hidden in the chapel and that's why they would be so insistent on going. Knowing the Blossoms, it would be murder secrets. Let's be real. Probably, but whatever. <laughs> like who, honestly, who gives a fuck? I don't know. But it was it was intriguing enough to me to think, hmm, this is interesting. Something else happens in the chapel. Yeah. That is the only thing that makes sense. We go to Pembroke and Hermione and Hiram have sex. That's, that's this. Yeah. Can I be honest though? What? kind of like the scene. I like Hiram in the scene. I'm just kind of at the point where I feel like Marisol Nichols can't act her way out of a paper bag anymore. Like she forgot how she left it in Vegas. I can't. <laughs> That's a lovely little reference to our Macintosh mod. Haven't seen what we just covered Vegas vacation. I just can't. I just can't. This scene is stupid. They're really attractive people, but I don't care. Marcus Willis is hot as fuck. Yeah, he keeps working out more like Kelly Ripa keeps making fun of him. It's great. <laughs> We cut back to Stonewall and Chuck's on a payphone. <laughs> those exist in Riverdale. Sure. Well, they exist at Stonewall Prep. So Jughead's talking to Betty and she's on the phone at the Blue and Gold. And he said, hey, I pulled some copy of Stonewall Prep's literary magazine from the year my grandpa and Mr. DuPont attended. In the table of contents, it lists a story written by Forsyth the first, but it's torn out. It's like every trace of his writing at Stonewall Prep is just gone. And Betty's like, hey, Jug, where did your grandpa go to school after Stonewall? Riverdale High. Wasn't there a literary magazine here, too? How convenient. Jug, it's like, I'll be on the next train. (laughs) It's cute. I mean, I'm okay with this. It's written like a Baxter Boys mystery. Mm -hmm. We go back to El Royale Gym, and they've got some games there. But where are the kids? 
And Archie goes up to Toby and Eddie. Okay, where are your boys? Didn't you tell them we've got arcade games? They can play for free. To which the boys are like, yeah, but Dodger's still giving them free pizza. And Veronica's standing right there. And she goes, okay, well, tell your boys that tonight it's not just video games that are free at the El Royale. It's burgers and fries and milkshakes from Pops. And I'm like, okay, we'll get the word out. I love you, Ronnie. Same, Archiekins. Same. Aww. Yay. Privileged people thinking they're going to fix it all in one night. That's what I don't. This is my problem with Veronica involved in this situation is that she, like her father, is like, I'm just going to throw money at the whole thing. Yeah. My hope is that they realize it's not just this one night. Like, you've got to keep doing this. Well, because, okay, like, even if they get rid of Dodger, the problems are still there. Dodger has thugs. Dodger reports to somebody somewhere. Some of this is us projecting because we've seen this show before and we don't trust them to actually deal with the root issue. Yeah. So they could prove us wrong and I'd be extremely happy, but they haven't shown us any indication yet. We go back to Thistlewood Chapel and Cheryl drowns Julian the doll. How has Tony not left? See, and this is where we're getting to the thing where Tony could have stepped in. In a way that might have made her the bad guy for a little bit, but it would have been for the good of Cheryl. We go back to the Pembroke and Veronica has a present for her mom, but she sees luggage and she's like, what? And Hiram walks in and he's like, hey, I'm back. Nope. I want to hear mom say it. Hermione says, I invited your father back. Why? He's a murderer. Well, what am I? I can't believe you. We're done with him. Blah, 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 blah. Hiram just is like, you know, we need to talk about your sister. You don't need to worry. You're still my favorite. The apple of my eye, my special little girl. There's no reason for you to be jealous of her. It's only natural. And Veronica's like, you're unbelievable. Both of you just runs off. What a gaslighting asshole. (laughs) I meant to say it when we were at Le Bon but Veronica has been wearing her pearls this whole episode. I thought it was when she first talked to her sister in the study later on. But no, she's had him on this whole episode, which makes sense. She's dealing with some family stuff. I can understand her feeling like, trying to figure out what that connection is. So that's interesting. I actually really love this scene. I love Camilla in it. She was pretty good. So we cut to the blue and gold office and Betty and Jughead are going through some things and Jughead finds a story. It's written by Frosty Pajamas. Jesus. He's like, Frosty is almost an anagram for Forsyth and Pajamas for PJs. P&J, Pendleton and Jones. Betty's looking at him askance. Okay, but that's a gr- that is a great pain, pen name. For a <laughs> high school student who's being a goof, it's great. I hate it. I hate it, but I love it at the same time. <laughs> and so Jack is looking at it. He's like, hey, this is totally the same. The syntax, the word choice, even the characters' names. There's a character named Bitsy Bane. Bitsy Bane is the next door neighbor of the Baxter Brothers. And this was written years before the first Baxter Brothers book. Is that enough proof for you? And Betty's like, I would say so. We go over to the Not Cooper house. Betty has come home. And Charles, FP, and Alice were like, how could you do that, Betty? How could I do what? You visited that miscreant imposter chick. I love season one, Alice. (laughs) She's the best. I also, that Betty look, what did I do? (laughs) Why did you go visit him? Because now Chick has reported a murder that happened in the Black Hood's house committed by a woman named Alice Cooper. And so... We find out that Chick says that he also know where the victim burial site is and all the evidence is still out there. And Charles is like, I'll take the lead on this investigation, maybe with the help from the local town sheriff. And Effie's like, all right, we'll see if the remains are where Chick claims. Don't wait up for us. And so they go. This was never reported to the FBI. 
Nope. This is all a plant. Yeah. But not a bad plan here. This is where, with with the exception of the fact that we've made all of our queers evil. Yes. I do like this story because it makes Chick not this throwaway thing that we had for almost two full seasons. Tying those bows together is really great. Mm -hmm. What's hard is that we keep hitting on this. It's that it's done so clumsily and so clunky. If it were smoother and given more time to breathe, it would be like classic crime drama stuff. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's just thrown together so quickly that we're like, well, great. You kind of ruined the fun of the reveal. Yeah. So We go back to the El Royale gym, but now it's packed with kids. There's arcade games everywhere. Just, it's like a giant crazy party. It's great. Reggie comes by and says, hey, there's some guy named Dodger outside wants to see you. (laughs) It's like, okay, make sure everyone stays inside. He goes outside. What do you want? And Dodger basically says, I know it's you in the hood. I'll be seeing you around later. (laughs) You dummy. All right. You're like, you knew that was going to happen. Of course you did. We cut back to the Nada Cooper house and the boys show up. They're covered in dirt. How'd it go? We're okay, Alice. We're going to be okay. Charles and I took care of that. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's just like, you know, thanks, Charles. And Charles like, I should go file that report then. Charles, you don't have to go. If you're willing to go on a limb for my, for our family, then I should be able to do that for you. I- I'm sorry, okay? Charles like, okay. And now Betty has decided to trust. Like, again, I like this turn. Like, this is great. It is a solid story arc that was just not done well. Well, it's it's also being clouded by other shit in this episode that we don't like. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, we go over to a fancy office, and Jughead is meeting with Mr. DuPont. Mr. DuPont's like, oh, of course, anything from Mr. Jones's son. And Jughead says, all right, I want to talk to you about this first book. Okay? You didn't write it. <laughs> Classic Jughead. Like, just he cuts right to it. Like, yep. I appreciate that. Like, let's keep it short and quick and get to the point. And he says, I found a short story by my father. It has a lot, actually, the same elements, and it was published years before the first Baxter Brothers book. And DuPont's like, nope, I did. I did all the first five books myself. Jughead says, no, you wrote two through five. First one was written by my grandfather. The book is the same tone as his short story. It has the syntax. It has his voice. And DuPont's like, okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Holy shit. This guy's good. I really liked him as an actor. Because you just felt like there was this very, like you can tell Cole Sprouse has a lot of acting experience because he could do this with this guy. And this guy has... Such vitriol. It's it's so perfect. He's like, I'm going to stop you right there. Do you know the worst thing that you can accuse a writer of being? A plagiarist. So based on what? Some story written by a bottom-feeding dropout in a third-rate school's so-called literary magazine? Chuck is like, text doesn't lie. Like, I love that he doesn't take the bait. Chuck never takes the bait. No, he's no, he's let Brett get to him. That's true. He that has. That's true. He has, but this dude, like Jughead knows he's right. I'm not going to fall for your bullshit. I don't care that I'm a trailer park kid. I don't care about that. No. This is the truth. So like, I appreciate that. And DuPont says, I'm not a thief, but your father, the sheriff, he's a thief. (laughs) Oh, goddamn. Yeah. Oh, yes, and much worse, a vagabond. What is it with you people? You're given an inch and you want the whole field? For God's sake, do you know who the hell I am? Do you know what the Baxter Brothers franchise means to Stonewall Prep? It built Stonewall Prep. I built Stonewall Prep. And Jack is like, the record deserves to be set straight. Get out of my sight now. While I'm still willing to forget that you had the audacity to summon me, you're very lucky I don't take you to the headmaster and get you expelled for this vicious and slanderous attack. 
Uh, remember when you talked about the firm? Yeah. Oh man, it's that mixed with school ties. Yeah, like, a little bit. And Cole is so channeling Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote in my notes, please don't become a Scientologist, Cole. Please don't do it. No, I don't see that could happen. I don't. I don't see that happening. But it, he just he has that same vibe and energy, mm-hmm. which it's very the firm. And I'm like, man, give this guy some serious roles. Like, let's let's get him some really heavy duty work and see what he can do with it, because I think it'd be fascinating to watch. I think it would be really interesting. It'll be interesting to see how much longer. Like, I don't think this show is making it past six season, which is what their contract is, purely based on the fact that these kids, if given the runway, they ain't stopping. Like, yeah. the sky's the limit. Like, CW's going to have to spend some serious fucking coin to keep them past six seasons because Lily Reinhardt is already killing it. Yep. Cole Sprouse just won two People's Choice Awards, which I know they're not the most prestigious awards, but it's not for nothing. It also means people are watching. People are legitimately following him. He gets paid the most of all of the cast because he's got the fan base and all of these actors are phenomenal mm-hmm. and given the right roles and the right scripts they're gonna knock shit out of the park yeah it's just this scene is just more proof of god damn cole is really good and he's really good this season oh and also fp fucking knew something for dupont to say your dad he's the thief the sheriff DuPont knows all about FP. Oh, yeah. He always knew something about it. He's been keeping tabs on FP and he and Jughead. He's been keeping tabs. Well, because he knows what happened to Forsyth Jones the first. Yes, which we'll get to that when we get to the very last scene of this episode. Because I, hey I have a new theory. Ooh. I have a new theory. Okay. All right. We go to Pops. Hermosa walks in. Veronica's working. They're both wearing their daddy's girl pearls. We find out that Hermosa's mom was a singer in one of the Miami clubs. But no, Hiram didn't just like knock her up and leave her alone. He took care of her until she died. And then he took care of Hermosa. And now Hiram and Hermione are renewing their vows. And Hermosa's just there to tell Veronica to come. And Veronica's like, I don't want to go. And Hermosa's like, look, you're entitled to your opinion of him. But the father I know, there's good in him, okay? And then she says something in Spanish and then leaves, which, okay, why aren't you translating what she's saying in Spanish? Because it's a, it feels like it's a little bit more than just saying mija or like Dios mío. And caption people aren't putting it up on screen. They're just put talks in Spanish. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is some bullshit. Yeah, it's at, bullshit. At least caption it in Spanish and then we can go translate it on our own. But you're not even doing that. It's lazy. I'm not mad. So this one moment does mm-hmm. give me some pause. Okay. It would feel like this gets ruined in the last scene of the episode for them. Mm-hmm. But this kind of feels like a weird signal from Hermosa mm-hmm. of like, I'm here to play a game, mm-hmm. but there's something deeper going on here. Mm-hmm. And just like, maybe roll with me for a minute. There's something else at play that I feel like is there's a method to his madness that you can't see. Because you don't know, like, you didn't know I existed and there's a reason why. Yeah. So, like, that would be another interesting thing to be like, okay, let's develop Hiram a little bit more and give him some of that nuance, especially if you're going to kill off Hermione, because that'd be great. And I could also see Hermosa doing a little flip here and going to Veronica being like, I'm trying to put our dad on the right path. Go with me and we can do this. Mm. But if you don't, it's going to go bad. So I could see that maybe being something. 
All right, we cut on over to Thistlewood. You know, we're talking to the creepy uncle, and they're like, why is there a chain on the chapel's gate? So yeah, so they want in that chapel, there is something in the chapel that is either it's money or something that's worth a lot of fucking money, or there's paper, like there's something in there hidden that Cheryl has no idea about. Nana Rose will probably let it slip in some like dementia wave of of incoherence. Like that's because that's how things happen with Nana Rose. It could be related to Julian. It could be. Ooh, ooh, okay. So Julian's real. Like Julian was a twin. But he actually like did, or he was a triplet. He passed away. But they kept paying or diverting money as though he was still alive. I would say that's good, but this show wants to make that way darker. It's got to be something murder and creepy related. It's not going to be something money related. No, because Blossom's all they give a shit about is money. So I don't like, know. That, I just that would make sense. Yes, but nothing about the Blossoms makes sense anymore. Very true. I mean, like, the thing that made the most sense was that, like, yeah, it's a very incestuous family because they got to keep all that red hair going. Anyways, Bedford is like, okay, as we suspected, you're clearly having a psychotic break. And as soon as we have you declared unfit, we're going to sell the factory, the grounds, everything. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. And so Cheryl's like, get out. They're like, yeah, we're going, but we're going to find out whatever it is you're hiding in our chapel. So yeah, there's something in there that they want. Like, that, that's that got to come back. We go back to Stonewall, and Jughead is talking with Chipping in his office. And he's like, don't, don't you see what's going on? Chipping's like, yeah, it's undeniable. Yeah, I'll help you. How could I look myself in the mirror as a teacher, as a writer, if I didn't? He's choking on his words yeah and super fucking nervous i feel like he knew this was coming he had already been warned that jughead was coming the perfect murder just yep putting that out there yep putting that yep. out there that this is a part of the perfect murder hmm. we go to the andrew's house archie's coming in through the front door and a black hood has been knifed to the door archie's really upset he goes in he's like mom we gotta go She's like, what? What do you mean? Where are we going? Uh, we got to go. And she's like, why? You're scaring me, mom. Uh, it's the rec center. Not everyone's happy about what we're doing there. And I've made some enemies. And then there's a drive-by. They get down. It's and not just like a drive-by, though. Like, it's like a machine gun. <laughs> They've got fucking AKs or something out there. Well. Here's the thing. I would have been okay with the scene and not laughing at it if it was pow, pow, pow. Like yeah. three gunshots through the window to freak them out. Yeah. But the machine gun, like, yeah, it's just absurd. It's so dumb. We head on over to the Pembroke, and Hermosa is sitting in the study at a desk. She's wearing a a beautiful white gown, and Veronica walks in, and she's wearing a very similar gown in black, also wearing her pearls. I like that costuming choice. And there is a commissioned painting of Hermosa in the spot that used to have Veronica's picture. Uh Uh-huh. Hermosa says, Poppy said to put it in a place of honor. He said, only the best for the apple of my eye. And Veronica's like, yeah, I should have known. I was gonna tell Poppy, as you call him, that I'd be (laughs) attending his bogus vow renewal. But instead of telling him I'm skipping, my mom can roll out the welcome mat for you rum-sucking leeches if she wants. But I'm not giving up my space nor my place in this family. I'm not giving an inch. Not to you. Not ever. And Hermosa kind of makes this smile. And then she leans back and Veronica goes. And I, f- I just know, just know that Veronica is actually giving up her space in the family because she's acting out because of Hermosa. Hermosa did that 
specifically to fuck with Veronica. Oh, yeah, no, that's what they fucking wanted. They wanted her to do that. And so Veronica is going to lose her footing in her family. The best plan against this would be for Veronica to act like everything is fine. That would have been her better play. We go back to El Royale gym. Archie is talking to Hiram. And he says, look, there's a criminal working out of the wipeout named Dodger. He has to be stopped. And Hiram's like, well, what did he do? He shot at my house and my mom. Oh, well, that sounds like a job for FP. I reported it, but Dodger's slippy. And you know as well as I do that some things need to be handled another way. This is about protecting what's left of my family. And Hiram says, of course, but I hope you're not suggesting I commit an act of violence against this thug. I'm really sorry, but there's nothing I can do for you, Archie. And Hiram goes. Uh Uh-huh. And this is where, again, there's some growth with Archie. He knows. Like, there's some shit that we just, I I, I can't wait for. I have to get rid of Dodger. (sighs) My problem is it didn't have to be this way. I actually really love this because Hiram is saying no to Archie to protect Archie. If he had said, sure, then when what happens to Dodger happens, if it comes up, Archie being who he is cannot lie and say, no, I I did ask. Archie would end up in jail again because of Hiram again. So Hiram, he's responsible for what happens to Dodger, but he's protecting Archie because this is what he can do for him because Archie is still taking care of his daughter. I want to believe you. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't trust this show on that. And I think they may double fake us and we find out it's somebody else. I, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but that would know. that would be so stupid and it a would. waste. It would, but this show. Oh, I know. We cut back to Stonewall and it's class time and Chipping comes in. He's like, scholars, as you know, today we'll be discussing Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Oh, good Lord. Which makes me laugh. And Chipping, while he's talking, is acting as though he's almost been poisoned. Yeah. Like, he looks like he's about to keel over and die. And instead, like, Jughead's like, are you are you okay? And he's just like, I'm sorry, Jughead, I couldn't help. And he jumps out of a fucking window. Jughead runs after him. is like, oh, my God, he's call 911. Call an ambulance. And he turns around and the rest of the students are literally sitting there. None of them are surprised that this happened. Yeah. They knew. Oh, they all knew. They all knew it was Including happening. Including Chipping. Of course Chipping knew. He jumped out the window. Yeah. He was told to do that. We cut back to Thistlewood and Cheryl wakes up. She hears creepy noises of like the iron gates moving. She's like, Titi, awaken. Did you hear that? God. I think it's Julian trying to escape the chapel. And even even Tony's like, really? Okay, okay. <laughs> they start walking there and they see the chains on the ground and the doors open. She's like, oh, he's escaped. They go in there and it's Uncle Bedford. And he's looking at dead Jason and the creepy doll. And he's like, I knew there was always a certain sickness in our bloodline, but this is monstrous. He's not wrong. But he starts saying, you're going away for a long time, Cheryl. And he starts like pushing at her. Tony's like, get away from her, you monster. And he smacks her down. And then he plunges at Cheryl and says, you're a sick girl. I'm taking you to the authorities this instant. And maybe I'll save them the trouble. And he puts his hand at her throat. And then Tony comes around and like hits him with a candelabra and he falls to the ground. And? Mm Mm-hmm. He's bleeding. Yep. He's dead. Most Tony likely. just committed a fucking murder. Maybe. Well, self-defense. We self-defense. But also, we don't know that he's officially dead. You can bleed from the head and not be dead totally. Okay. Like, it happens. It is heavily implied that, that he's, he's deceased. Sure. So, I think Tony is the one who should be getting Cheryl committed. Cheryl does need some, like, literal commitment because she is very far gone. 
Tony needs to be the one to do it because she is the only one around her currently who has seen everything that she's doing and is coming from a place of you need help. This is not about me or what I can get from you or gain from your absence. It's you need help and you are not safe. Tony needs to be the one to commit her. Well, and to be fair, I think it could get to the point where your family is coming after you. Mm -hmm. So number one, you obviously need help to deal with what you need Mm -hmm. to deal with. But number two, by doing this, I can also protect you. Mm -hmm. We cut on over to the jail and it's Chick and he's there and he's meeting someone and he picks up the phone and says, hi, how did it all go? Turn the camera. It's Charles. Smooth as cream, babe. FP led me right to where he buried the body. We moved what was left and everyone was appropriately grateful. Even Betty? Even Betty. That's great. I love you, babe. I love you too. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I do. I just, I love that turn. I love it. Yeah. Because I I know we said like, oh, we can't make Charles just evil because then we're going to that well again. But oh no, you went back to the well, but you made it more interesting and I'm okay with it. We don't know what the end goal is yet. Correct. Is it just evil or is it they want a family? This isn't about family. No. I don't know. There's something something else going on. It is more complex than we gave it credit for. It's just that why have we gone back to this well over and over and over again? Yeah. We go back to Thistlewood. It's the next day and Cricket's there. What do you want? Bedford. Can't find him. Have you seen him? No. Can I wander the house? Nope. Not without a warrant. Okay. I'll go get that. Good luck. Bye. This is just a heavy handed scene and it's stupid. And I hate it. I hate it. Nope. We know we're going to the El Royale gym. Reggie and Archie are walking down the street towards it. Archie's hair is okay. Cue the music. What the fuck is wrong with Archie's hair? Like they literally just dipped. It's like they dip dyed his hair into this bright red fluorescent crap because it's <gasps> it, they literally. It's like he literally just left the makeup trailer and they had just finished drying his hair after it was just processed. What the fuck makeup department? What? I'm mad at you. Okay. Okay. I can't believe we went back to that well. So they're walking and they see a rug rolled up with blood all over it. And they pull it out and they're like, what the hell? And they open it up and it's Dodger. But he is moving. When I first watched this, I was like, I figured he was just dead. But no, once they open it up, he's you can tell he's trying to move. And Archie's like, we got to get him to the hospital. Which... Okay. That's that's what was needed. You don't need a murder because you don't need to deal with that kind of pressure. Yeah. But you need to beat the guy within an inch of his life so he knows not to fuck with these people anymore. Mm-hmm. We go over to Stonewall Prep. It's classroom time. Jughead walks in and everyone else is there. He's like, what's going on? Well, I heard that the seminar has been canceled for the rest of the semester and we're all getting automatic fours. Jesus Christ. This is on account of Chipping's fall from grace. Ugh. Well, I heard we're getting a new teacher, Celeste Ang. I heard it was Ian McEwen. Be still my heart. <laughs> Jesus Christ, author of humor. That's uh, pretty great. And then in walks DuPont, because of course, I've been told you're the best and the brightest. I look forward to putting you all to the test. Riverdale. Okay. New theory on the flash forwards and that writing of Jughead's. Uh-huh. Jughead figured out how DuPont did it and got rid of his grandfather. Yeah. And he is rewriting it and and acting it to prove that DuPont, it's actually doable. DuPont wrote the perfect murder, quote unquote. And Jughead is actually enacting it. He's putting it into play to prove. And it's part of how they're saying, like, this is plausible. This is what DuPont did to my grandfather. Okay. All right. That's that's like, that's that's one of my theories of like, like part of what's happening. 
That would make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Part of what he's probably doing by that is the whole Hamlet Claudius thing. He's going to publish this book and confront DuPont with it. Yeah. So that DuPont has to admit this is what he did. Yep. Okay. Uh, yep. That's where I'm at with that. All right. All right. I really like that idea. Thank you. Thank you. I hope it comes true just so I can be that much more amazing. That much more amazing, but also that the writers latched on to something that's a really good turn. So whoever our new writer is this season, I need to actually like do the homework. <laughs> <laughs> who is our meta writer? Who Who are they? We love you. <laughs> okay. We have to find out what's going to happen next week. All right. Oh, my. All right. So this is the actual Thanksgiving episode. It's called The Ice Storm. Oh, God. It would make sense. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. They brought back Azura Sky, <laughs> who I adore. She's the girl who was with the shady man. Uh-huh. So that's, a, that's great. They brought her back. She's confronting Archie with a gun. Because Dodger's her fucking son. Oh, my God. Yeah. Shady man's brother. But like, I don't know, whatever. Anyways, they're all connected. Yeah. That's amazing. I fucking love that. <laughs> <gasps> what if Chick is her son too? They're no, all... Chick's not her son. That would be interesting because Chick knew them. Anyways, it w- it's, uh, there are many possibilities. I'm very excited. Weird shit's happening at Stonewall, but they're just going to try and scare Jughead and Betty. It's, it's just going further down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. There better be a really good flash forward at the end of next week because so far like we don't know what the rest of this half of the season's airing schedule is but it's usual that they take off the wednesday of thanksgiving yeah so that'll be interesting previously episode nine was going to be the mid-season finale and that's when Forsyth the first is supposed to officially show up yeah so it makes sense we take one week off for thanksgiving we come back we have two episodes and then we're done for like a month so I hope that's what happened because that's also some good pacing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be yeah. Some, that'd be some good pacing. Oh, and family drama with the lodges. Oh yeah, they're gonna throw a turkey. Okay, which like I'm, I'm, I'm here for down it. for that. I don't hate the lodge storyline right now. I want Hermione out of the way. Mm-hmm. I do. If they're gonna keep her around, they need to actually do something with her character mm-hmm. and not just keep making her whine. It's not really all Marisol Nichols' fault. Like they just I know. she has nothing to do. She always looks like she's constipated. So <laughs> it's just I don't like what they're doing with her. So blech. But the dynamics between Hiram, Hermosa, and Veronica are fantastic. Yeah, no, if they didn't have Hermosa, this would be so boring. So now we've got the new element. That's good. They also need to bring back Smithers. He needs to come back. Just, I'm I'm still just mad about Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, Archie's going to get real interesting here because things are going to get super testy. I'm excited. I'm really excited with seeing Azura Sky is going to be back. I can't remember what her character's name is, but she's the blonde lady. I'm curious. In the, in the trailer. Oh, yay. We'll just see. All right. Until next time. Hashtag Go, go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.